Welcome, everyone, to the Elevating Your Potential podcast, where we're live middle school and high school student-athletes about the realities of college sports. Um, today, I would advise you all to get your notebook and your pen out, because this expert that's going to be on the podcast today is going to take up um, take every aspect of your life to another level. Um, today, we want to help you with your writing. Now, I know when I said that, some of you, there might be a couple different things going through your mind. Um, you might love it. You might have a little bit more difficult time with it, but I challenge you to open your mind um, to hear what we're gonna to discuss today because I think it'll be very, very helpful. Um, today we have Josh, um, Joshua on the line today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Jeremiah, how are you today? I'm great, thank you. Thank you and thank you so much for being a part and helping our student athletes transition. Really glad to be here, really glad to be here. For sure, so can you um, just start out by telling the audience a little bit about yourself and what you're currently doing? Sure. Uh, so uh, as uh, Jeremiah was saying, my name is Joshua Falmer. I'm actually a writing specialist at Southern Methodist University here in Dallas, Texas. And uh, I primarily work with uh, student athletes at the college level to uh, help improve their writing. Um, I live over in East Dallas with my wife, who also works at SMU. And uh, we have two nine-month-old twins, which uh, wow. keep us <laughs> very busy. And uh, we also have two rescue cats. So it's a, it's a full house here at the Palmer household. Wow, not two nine-month-old twins. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, uh, one boy and one girl. Uh, and they are, they are quite a blessing. But they keep yes. coming to us. For sure. Well, my wife, I don't know if you know, well, you probably don't know this, but my wife is actually eight months pregnant now at the time of recording. That's so wonderful. We're first. <laughs> Well, if you need any advice, don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm sure I'll be asking anyway, but I'm sure you can give yeah. me some great advice for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in terms of writing, where does your passion for writing stem from? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I kind of try to come back to, like, why did I start this in the first place? Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, uh, I think what it came down to was, when I was a kid, I'm, I'm talking about like third grade or so, um, I had a stutter. And um, I thankfully had a really good guidance counselor who, who put it very simply for me. She said, you think faster than you talk. And, it, and the, way that she, the way that she presented that, rather than saying I have an issue, you know, or some sort of problem by saying that actually, it's a it, it's showing you know a, a sign or mark of intelligence uh it, it gave me a little bit of confidence but in but it also forced me to think of another way of handling this impediment so even back then i realized i needed some other way of communicating so i, I think i started writing even as far as back in the third grade just you know taking notes and jotting things down and then when i got a little bit older um i remember my parents gave my sister a diary because you know uh she, she's a young woman and they were like hey here's this is what young girls like to do is write their notes and all that and i was like i want one of those but it's not a diary it's a journal because you know i got a right <laughs> young manhood up right? right so um i started you know uh just kind of writing creatively even as far back as far back as, as when I was probably middle school. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes down to it, I think that passion for writing, it really comes from the fact that it, it, puts, it puts people on, a, on an even playing field. Okay. That's the same thing I tell my students, and it's the same thing that I still remember, that 
when I write, I'm not judged by my accent, and believe me, it used to be a lot thicker than it is now. <laughs> I'm not judged by uh, the way I look or, uh, you know, how I sound or who or what family I grew up in. It, it's an even playing field. Right. And it's, it's able to take this form of communication and, and create, you know, equitable access in a way. And that's why I'm so still so passionate about it is I get to give this this gift that frankly everybody already has, but I, I get to help own that gift mm -hmm. and make it um, and show that everyone that they already have those tools, you know, that they have this ability to um, to communicate in a way that's not based upon uh, you know their voice or anything else. You know, it's it's based upon their the ideas in their head. Mm -hmm. That's so powerful what you're saying. I never heard of writing put in that perspective before. I kind of want to go along the same line. Why do you say everyone already has this gift? Like, what does that come from and why do you say that? Because there might be someone thinking like, oh, I'm not a good writer. Why, how do I have that gift? How do you respond to a student, a student like that? So there, to kind of take it way, way back, okay. um, there was this um, Greek philosopher named Aristotle. Okay. And um, he you know back back in the greek philosophy days they'd all like get on this in this like kind of arena and they just kind of go back and forth of, with these ideas and they kind of hold up up and see what stuck and what didn't you know and they it, it almost be like a like a, a fight of words and he said hey i realized something when we talk to each other we only have three means of communication our three means of persuading others right we have uh, ethos, logos, and pathos, which is just fancy way of saying we have our authority, we have logic, and we have emotion, okay? So why do I say that, um, you know, everybody has the ability to, to be a good writer? Why do they already have those tools? It's because they have their own authority. You know, I, I, I can never know what it's like to, to be in your shoes, Jeremiah, any more than I can in anybody that's listening to this podcast. Mm -hmm. So even though your life might seem normal to you, right? It might seem maybe even uh, kind of boring or whatever else to you, to someone else, it might be the story of a lifetime. You know, it might be a very fascinating story, something that we want to learn from. So I, I try to remind everybody that you already have those tools because everything that you already come to the table with is something that no one else comes to the table with. Right. Yeah. Um, and also you, the way that you see the world is different. So, so the only thing is that you might have issues uh, kind of recognizing who you're speaking to or, you know, whatever the proper way is, whatever that even means. Mm -hmm. But I, but I will never believe that, that you don't have a story to tell. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's really good. So, I mean, it's easy for us like to say, hey, you have a story, but what type of tools do you give your students or student athletes or someone listening? How do you kind of draw out those, um, those skills that make someone a good writer and like to sit down and have someone want to read your story? How do you kind of bring those out of people? Ooh, um, I think the, the, there's a couple things at play here. One, it's how do you bridge the gap between 
what you already know and the, and the way to convey that thing, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say, uh, because we're, you know, we're talking to student athletes here, right? Right. Let's say um, you are a subject matter expert on your sport, right? You, let's say you're a, a power forward in basketball or a wide receiver in football. Mm -hmm. If you are trying to explain that to someone else, you can you can kind of get get your point across to them or uh, show how you are a subject matter expert by one teaching them what you do, but also finding a way to to teach it in a way that they understand. So so what we're talking about here is two things. We're talking about your uh, ability to talk about what you know, but also know who your audience is. Mm. That's the biggest thing that we tend to forget. And that's, that's frankly that what I'm seeing most of the time is that when you, that when people uh, come to me, it's not that they don't understand what to say, it's that they're not thinking about who they're saying it to. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's definitely understanding who am I talking to? What am I trying to say? So even right now, um, you know, part of me in the back of my mind has to recognize, oh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to a particular, um, you know, audience right now. If we're talking to middle schoolers or high schoolers, you know, I have to think about uh, the language I'm using. So that, that's that's kind of the uh, the basic gist of what. Yeah, what perfect. Yeah, I love that breakdown. Um, so let's take a step back for a second. Sure. Um, so why do you think understanding and knowing how to write it's so important in our everyday life. Like, can you make that practical for us? Sure. The whole reason that writing even exists, the reason why we, why we can go to like Europe and Africa and there's cave drawings is because at some point in our, in our evolutionary history or however you want to view it, we realized that we need to keep things, we need to keep a record of things, you know, what, what we call posterity. We need, to, we need to be able to continue to track things, whether it's um, for our own peace of mind or is to pass stories along to, you know, our loved ones and family. And we used to do that, right, through, through storytellers. Mm -hmm. you know, or, or even through, uh, like, if you look at the um, history of poetry and things like that, we used to continue to pass these stories along over and over and over. It's kind of like a game of telephone and constantly changed it a little bit. Right. But eventually we realized that, you know, we have to have find a better way of recording. And that's where writing came in. So writing is, is really important for a couple of reasons. One, it allows us to take these, these thoughts in our head and keep a larger and more since more clear record mm -hmm. it also allows us something that's that's very interesting that i i didn't realize until i got a little bit older it it, it creates this new voice now now i know that seems a little weird so hold on with okay. <laughs> when you put something on the page it's no longer stirring around in your head i mean it is but but it's also here on the page and now, because it's here on the page, guess what you get to, to do? You get to become the reader for a minute, which is a whole other thing, right? It's, it's, 
you get to become this like observing character and, and go back and look at the, the thing you wrote. And all of a sudden it's this voice speaking back to you. So now that it's speaking back to you, you have the opportunity to start having this conversation. Now, I know this is like, wait, you're having a conversation with yourself. Well, we do, we do it all the time, right? We are, we're constantly like talking to ourselves in our head and like, you know, psyching ourselves up for, for the big game or, um, or asking someone out on a date or, or anything like that. Well, the only thing here is it's allowing you to kind of learn from yourself. It's allowing you to, to realize the thing you wrote and say, you know what? I actually don't feel that way anymore. Or I think that that thing that I was thinking about is a little bit more complicated. So rather than it just being this one voice that's just driving forward, you're starting to have these multiple voices that are able to talk back and forth to each other and learn that process. Yeah, so actually, like what I'm hearing you're saying is that when you're writing, not only are you like putting your thoughts, emotions, and feelings, but you're also taking the time to read and learn from yourself in order to um, see if those feelings were, um, I guess, adequate or if those feelings were accurate. And if so, like continue with that thought. If not, maybe redo some rearranging. Am I, am I hearing that correctly? Absolutely, absolutely. Because when it's in your head, I'm not saying that there might not be a small voice that like isn't questioning uh, what you're thinking, but you know, a lot of the times when we're thinking, it's rapid fire. It's, it goes back to the whole stuttering issue that I had as a kid. You know, it's very quick. But when you put something on the page, it forces you to slow down. And because it forces you to slow down, all of a sudden you have to start saying, wait, is that thing that I said logical? Am I even the best source for that? You know, am, am, am I really an authority on this subject or do I need to go find an authority? Mm. You know, when we talk about uh, sources, for instance, you know, um, I, I constantly get that question of like, why do we use sources? Why do we have to cite sources? It's, it's as simple as that. It goes back to that, that, that idea of, of authority. If you're not a subject matter expert, go find someone that is. Right. Yeah, and I see, I also feel like as you're talking, like this is, this can help us so much in conflict resolution and release. And like when, if we're having an issue with someone, if we write it down, it's like, oh, absolutely. okay. Oh, you want to you hit that for a second? Oh, oh, sure, sure. <laughs> um, so, um, I, I was in the military. That's a, that's another aspect of, of me. Uh, I was in the Marine Corps for a while, and I went to Iraq and um, and uh, you know served overseas in the time of war. And you know, I, one one weird little story about me is uh, even though I was infantry, I kind of got tasked as the translator for my squad. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that we saw a lot was you know how how language or, or, or really the breakdown of language causes conflict, right? You know, that when we don't understand what the other person is saying, or we're not quite sure on the, um, you know, the context, you know, what the things surrounding that conversation, that's where conflict occurs. So it goes back to if you can slow it down, right? If you can slow it down, put it on the paper, try to try to work it out. See, see, why am I even feeling this thing? Like, why is this emotion rising up? Absolutely. You know, I, I came back from Iraq and I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I was a very angry young man because 
you know, I saw things that were pretty rough and I, and I felt things that were rough and I didn't know how to, how to uh, deal with those things. But, you know, writing came back and it ended up saving me in a lot of ways because it gave me an avenue of getting past the emotion, which is, is important, but realizing it's not the only thing. Yeah. Oh, this is gold. I told y'all, get your notebooks and your pens ready, because this is, man, you are teaching me a lot. I'm learning a lot from this conversation, so thank you for that. Um, so let's say um, a student athlete is first out of high school, and they come see you their first um, week or month while they're on campus at their university. What does that first conversation look like um, when you're talking, when you're speaking with them? I think the very first conversation is, is to realize that what they are bringing to the table is not bad. You know, like there's this perception that when you get to college and you get that first grade back and it, it might not be what you expected, especially because, you know, you're, you are being treated as an adult now and, and, and we're basically saying, Hey, um, the, the, the training wheels are off. You know, if you want to write about whatever you want to write about and it fits within the, you know, the parameters of this class, write about it. Mm -hmm. But that's also scary, right? You know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm, it feels like you're being thrown to the wolves and, if, and um, you're getting these grades back that you're like, wait, I always got, you know, better grades than this or whatever. And I just remind them that, that, what you're seeing isn't necessarily a reflection of who you are. Mm. So the first, the first thing I try to, to, to teach them is to remind them that whatever, whatever they're seeing in the classroom is, is just simply, you know, kind of an assessment of where that teacher professor sees that they're at. Mm -hmm. But it's also helping them kind of helping guide them to maybe not what the professor is looking for. Cause I, I don't like to, to think that what we're trying to do is, you know, uh, simply make, check off a box, mm -hmm. but, but ra rather kind of help meet, meet the expectations of the professor by helping, uh, helping the student understand the professor's language, help the help mm -hmm. the student understand the professor as an audience. Mm -hmm. You know, going back to this thing about audience, audience, audience. Well, there's three things, and here's a, your other little mini lesson, okay? Sorry, I do go on tangents. Yeah, I love it. Keep going. Keep going. Here's your mini lesson. No matter what type of communication you have, whether it's you and I talking right now or me writing, uh, writing a song, okay? Or I, I like to tell this to my, my students. You get in a fight. A fight is a form of communication. Hmm. There's always three things happening. It goes back to this rule of three, right? Mm -hmm. There's always an author, there's always an audience, and there's always a topic. Okay. So you as the author, if you're if you can't get that communication across, that topic across, even though you know for a fact that you know your logic is sound and your authority is sound and all that, then it might be just not recognizing who your audience is. Mm. You know, maybe you um you talked about you know, sports and uh, your teacher doesn't know anything about sports. So even though the, 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 the topic of sports isn't necessarily a bad thing, it's that you didn't realize, oh, I need to actually explain to them 
you know, what it means to be this position. I need to explain mm -hmm. to them the rules. And by doing that, all of a sudden, you, you, you bridge that divide. Right. Yeah, I see, I see all the parallels between communication and writing and how it's so important for us um, in multiple ways. Um, so just kind of a philosophical question for you. Do you think that someone can actually learn to write better? I mean, you kind of hit on it as we were talking. Um, but to go a little bit deeper, do you think that someone can actually learn to write better? Or are people kind of born with the ability to write, quote unquote, like better than other people? I, I will always refuse to believe that someone can't learn to write better or do anything better for that matter. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that um, we don't have kind of innate gifts. Like I will never be a, a great um, basketball player. I, I, I played in high school. I played football in high school. I played every sport, man. I, I played it all. I just, it. I just didn't, for whatever reason, I just didn't have the coordination, you know, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that I didn't get up at like six in the morning, every morning, go to the gym and practice my free throws and I got better. You know, I still played off the bench, right. but I got better. Okay? Right, exactly. So exactly. I, I, I'm not saying that everyone's going to all of a sudden become, you know, um, you know, the next New York Times bestseller. And, and frankly, I don't think that we all should. You know, I, I think that that writing doesn't have to be about this kind of commercial thing of making money and all that. Writing can, writing can be for yourself. It can be, you know, to communicate with others. Uh, it can be to get a good grade and get through college and get a good job, right? Right. It can be to have a stellar resume. Mm -hmm. um, but but I, going back to the original question, though, I still absolutely believe you can get better as a writer, sure. no matter what level you're at. Yeah, you're right. Some some. Uh, some people, it feels like they're just born with it, right? I, for whatever reason, I never had to question um, why I had pretty good grammar, for instance. Matter of fact, it wasn't until I started in this position, even after going through graduate school, that I realized some of the rules behind what I, what I now teach mm. uh, that I just naturally did. You know, I, I, I didn't realize that, oh, yeah, I, I form my sentences this way because there's this kind of um, grammar rule behind that. I just did it. Maybe it's because, uh, you know, I, I read books as a kid, or maybe it's because, you know, I was just around a lot of uh, language and I, and I listened a lot. You know, my, I had a granddad that was like, that said I talked a lot as a kid. So he said, uh, you know, when the adults are talking, you should just uh, you should just sit back and listen. And at first I was like, how dare you, granddad? Right. <laughs> but, uh, but he... He, uh, in doing that, he actually taught me a lot because he, because by listening to them, I was able to learn how to keep communicate myself. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Um, so we talked a little bit about how um, student and student athletes are, um, they need to make sure they get through college um, with their different essays. So from your opinion, is there a particular way that um, like an essay shouldn't be, re should be written? Because you know, we always hear introduction, three bodies, and um, the conclusion. Is that kind of the same thought process or it, how do you feel about that? I, 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 I used an analogy earlier of the training wheels, right? I, I said, uh, you know, you get to college and the training wheels are taken off. And the five paragraph essay in a lot of ways it is the training wheels. It, it's not that it's wrong. It's just, it, it is giving you um, 
giving you a template. You know, it's giving you a, a kind of a frame of what argument looks like. Okay. So yes, there are certain things that I think no matter what you're always going to have, you, of course, you're always going to have some sort of introduction and you're always going to have some sort of conclusion, but what comes in the middle is entirely up to you as well as, as the uh, framework of the essay and the essay prompt. Mm -hmm. You know, the, one of the biggest bits of advice I can usually give my students is, is actually just go back and, and look at the prompts and, and ask yourself, are you one, are you, covering the essay prompt for what it's, what it's actually asking. You know, you might be talking about, let's say um, the essay prompt is on a book. You know, you're doing a kind of like a literary analysis essay. And you might end up writing this entire paper that focuses on that book, but never answered the question. And in that moment, you shot yourself in the foot, right? Because you are you are writing well, you're communicating well, but you never answered what they asked. So taking it back, yes, you, there are certain aspects uh, that, we, that we've been taught that are, that are still just kind of tried and true. You know, introductions are important, conclusions are important, but the rest is kind of uh, up in the air. And I'm not trying to, uh, you know, skate out and say I don't have an answer, but rather to say there's a lot of freedom in that idea. Yeah. Because if the prompt says, hey, you know, um, I want you to uh, compare and contrast between these things, then that's what you need to do. You know, part of your body needs to compare, part needs to contrast. Mm -hmm. If you're taking on a, uh, let's say you're writing some sort of argumentative paper and you're taking on uh, an idea like uh, climate change, you know, you might have what's called the, um, the the denouement, which is a basically a, a body paragraph that kind of focuses on what's already been said and then proves them wrong. I, I, I like to use this uh, analogy, and I realize I've, I've really kind of dated myself at this point, but I haven't found a good, a good one yet, which is um, uh, in the movie Eight Mile, which y'all, if everyone listening, if you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. It's still <laughs> a classic. I can't believe I'm calling it classic now, but you know, this rapper named Eminem, maybe you've heard of him, you know, it's kind of a semi-autobiographical story. Uh, at the very end of the film, sorry for the spoiler alert, he, he basically raps about everything he knows that his opponent is going to say bad about him. And that's the, the, the denouement, is, is saying, hey, I know that you're going to say that my argument is, is uh, invalid on this, this, and this. So guess what? I'm going to go and bring those things up. And I'm going to go ahead and shoot you down so you have nothing to say. It's a really powerful, cool little uh, five paragraph. So, <laughs> that was a great analogy. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. So, so that's what it really comes down to is, um, you know, every paper obviously is going to look different. I mean, that's the point. Um, but what I try to teach is that there are some kind of basic frameworks involved. You know, that, yes, you are... You, what's maybe more important is not thinking about it as this five body thing, uh, five paragraph uh, kind of order thing, but rather thinking about how does it um, go back to just this basic idea of communication, right? That when you first meet someone, do you just automatically launch into whatever you're interested in? No, no, you, you want to introduce yourself. You want to kind of 
what we call the hook. You know, you want to hook them in somehow, whether it's through a, a funny story or a question or, uh, or kind of painting a scene, you know. And then once you hook them in, then you can start kind of going into uh, what you want to talk about. But then the, maybe the most important thing is within the, the, that big framework of the, of the body paragraphs is to remember that, hey, I somehow still have to organize all this. I have all these ideas. You know, and even now, I recognize that uh, when I'm speaking, I'm not as organized as when I write, you know, because I have all these ideas and I want to get them all out. Well, if your audience can't follow, right, then you've lost them. So you have to think about different ways of organizing, whether it's from your most favorite to least favorite or from the big picture to the small picture, as long as your audience can track that. Yeah, that's oh, this is this is great. I love it, and I kind of want to go along that analogy with the movie. So, how does like watching movies, researching, reading, how does that continue to impact a student's um, ability to write? Not even just a student, but anyone's ability to write. And how can we kind of harness those analogies that you're telling me, and like putting that on paper, if that makes sense? Well, uh, I'll, I'll give a shout out to uh, my my coworker. Uh, Lauren Foltz says she's the reading specialist, with, uh, whereas I'm the writing specialist. And, uh, you know, it, no matter the, how you look at it, when you look at the science of writing and reading, it's, in, it's intrinsically linked. You, you, you can't escape it. We, we become better writers through reading. Why? Because, well, think of it this way. The more I read, the better vocabulary I'm going to get. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn new words. I'm gonna learn uh, new new communities. You know, uh, if I if I want to know about something I've never known before, I can either do it, or more likely I can read about it or learn about it through through reading, through movies. You name it. You pick up on this jargon. You pick up on um, on th this entire vernacular that you didn't have before. I'm also gonna become a better writer because. Put it this way, I, 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 I'm not quite sure at the, at the middle school level, I know at the high school level, I remember that we used to uh, watch game film, right? And when we watched game film, why did we watch it? We watched it because we wanted to uh, see what we did right and wrong, but we want to see what our opponents did right and wrong, right? If I want to become a better uh, football player, basketball player, baseball player, or any sort of athlete or writer for that matter, I'm going to see what others have done and I'm going to draw from that. And some things I might throw by the wayside and say, you know what, that's not for me or that doesn't fit uh, my natural talents or whatever else. You know, I have a certain sense of humor that works for me well in my writing. I don't think I'm that good of like a, a horror writer. You know, I, I don't tell scary stories that well. So it's just not something I'll work with. Right. But I'm going to take those tools. I'm going to I'm going to apply what does work well, or what I think can work well, and then I'm going to, the stuff that doesn't. You know, I'll set to the side. Maybe I'll come back to it later. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's why it's so important to read. That's why it's so important uh, to to listen to music, uh, to watch movies. But the but the difference between what I'm talking about and what people already do is to be more active about it. It's really hard for me to to read anything or listen to music nowadays, because I used to play music a lot um, professionally, 
uh, it's, it's really hard for me to, to listen and read without having that active voice turned on and saying, hey, how did they do that? How did they, uh, how did they build that scene up? How did they create that lyric? How did they make that beat? You know, rather than just enjoying it, I'm actually thinking of it, uh, what I call uh, reading as a writer. You know, I'm reading it to kind of distill it, distill the ideas, not the content, right? I'm not talking about stealing the content and, and plagiarism and stuff. I'm talking about taking those techniques of how they did it and, and using it myself. Yeah, so we've had a good conversation for the last 30 minutes and there still might be a student athlete who's just like, I don't care about this topic of writing. I don't want to learn how to do it. Um, or they might have someone who says, okay, I hear you. I want to do better, but I'm struggling in that area. What do you say to those two students? Um, if you have any of those student athletes that come to you now, like what would you say to those students who are listening now? I have them every semester. And I, I say this, um, I, I, I know this is kind of weird, but I was, I was thinking about this earlier today. I, I think about um, if you go back to World War II sure. and you think about all the leaders within that war, right? You had obviously uh, Adolf Hitler, who was one of the most evil people on earth, had a stutter, very diminutive, very small man, but he led an entire country to, to, to frankly do some horrific things. And how do you do it? through his speeches, through, through his words. You had, on the other hand, someone that, that obviously has, that we appreciate a lot more with uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR. Very powerful orator, but he was in a wheelchair. You had someone like Winston Churchill, who was, uh, who was an alcoholic, but all of them understood the power of words. They all understood that, that communication, whether it's spoken or whether it's written down, can create constitutions. It can, it can send people to war. It can write your contract. And unfortunately, it's done some very bad things as well. But the point is that our words and the, and the way in which we organize and form those words has more power than you know. When we say that the pen is mightier than the sword, there's, there's an extremely real history to that you know so when a student comes to me and says ah oh, you know i don't you know i'm seeing the importance of this whether it's just talking about the practical application of it and saying hey you know if you want to play ball you, you gotta stay eligible and if you want to stay eligible you gotta get passing grades and here's how to do that whether it's something as simple as that or say or saying hey guess what ball ends at some point i hate to say it ball ends, you know, whether it ends uh, high school or college or professional level, eventually you got to stop. What are you prepared to do after that? You know, and I'd much rather be able to use my words and help, you know, you know, better society or whatever than have to use my hands because I've used my hands before for, for good and bad, you know? So, that that's my that's my answer to that first student is is you know communication is always going to be there and you can either uh, choose to master it or you can choose to allow others to to master you in a way. Mm 
right. to, if, if you're not saying the thing someone else is. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, before uh, you answer the second question, I'm sorry. I have to, so you said you'd rather use your words than your hands. Can you explain to us what that, what you mean by that? Um, I wrote this poem. Uh, so my, my actual background is, uh, uh, is in poetry. Once I got back from Iraq, I started writing a lot of uh, trying to kind of understand everything I went through, and uh, I, I ended up getting an MFA in poetry. And uh, and we're not talking about sunshine and flowers poetry. We're talking about you know uh, about kind of about death and 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 violence and all these things. And I wrote this poem about um, the generations of my family. Um, my granddad was a district attorney for almost twenty years. And my father is is a, is a lawyer now, and it's something I almost went into, and I'm really glad I did. But uh, <laughs> I ended up, that, you know, realizing that all three of us, in a way, had a power of words, you know, and it's is kind of it's kind of scary in a way. And, and back when I was younger, I I had a lot of um, had a lot of pride in what my family did and I still do to a certain extent but I also realized that just by the way that they were able to argue a case could send somebody to jail mm. you know could send somebody to, to prison and it could change their uh, the terms of that imprisonment and how long they were in prison all these things and you know that that weighs on me a lot nowadays but it also you know, it helped me to really understand the the reality of that that of how powerful words really are. You know that by what I say, by how I say it, uh, I can have a certain sense of control that those that don't say things don't. You know, I, I can. I mean, you, you see it. You see the media. You see it in news. You see it with politicians. Uh, whether it's you know. Um, someone making some uh, an accusation or whether it's someone uh stating their truth through um you know a, a tell-all biography whatever you know no matter how it comes across that power is real is very vivid and uh and it affects everyone uh, even even to the most basic level if you're just if, if you're focusing on commerce for instance think about two athletes that are both extremely talented. Like, um, okay, the Lakers just won the the, the NBA Finals again, right? Mm-hmm. Just won the championship. And you have Le- LeBron James, you have uh, Rajon Rando, right? That's how you mm-hmm. say his name, Rajon Rando. Rajon. Mm-hmm. Rajon Rondo, sorry. Um, think about those two athletes and tell me why one of them has a ton of endorsements. You see him everywhere. And the other one, even though we know his name, does not. Mm. Think about why one of them is marketable and one is not. Now, I, yes, obviously LeBron is, is like the most insanely talented, you know, basketball player of, of my generation. But also he understood the importance of, of his own brand and of being able to communicate uh, with whomever the audience is and how to sell things, you know, whereas Rondo, I don't think ever, ever had that. He didn't, he didn't ever um, 
consider it in the same way. Right. It's something as basic as that. You know? So, so yeah, I think, um, I think that the, the power of words goes beyond just simply um, just getting a good grade. You know, it, it goes way farther than that. It goes, it goes into how it affects uh, our daily lives. You know, whether it's through through income or through, um, you know, the way we resolve issues. Yeah, that's good. And uh, for sake of time, so I have two more questions for you. Um, I'm gonna make sure I get you out. Um, so, in your opinion, there's this thing called writer's block to where like you're writing and then one day you just can't write anymore. Do you think that that is, that, that, that that's true? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, think I've been a, I think I've been in a writer's block for three years now. So, <laughs> um, you know, it, I'm trying to think about how to address this in, in just the, in, in the terms of, of school, right? You know, mm. I, th I think, and as far as school is concerned, where you're you're almost kind of blessed in a way because you're kind of given this prompt, you know, and they're saying, "Hey, you got to write on that." Um, so let me first just address the creative side of it, and then I'm going to get to the school side. On the creative side, um, I had this wonderful teacher who was very much just about the just pure enjoyment of writing. She didn't care about um, all that you know, grammar and, and punctuation and um, and whether it had to make sense, you know, it, it, she, uh, audience didn't matter. Mm. But when, one thing she always told me, she said, there are moments in your life where you were meant to receive, and there are moments in your life where you're meant to give, you know, and, and in those moments where you're meant to receive, you can't write. It's impossible mm. because you're still taking it in, you know, you're still trying to take things in and understand and learn and learn. And then when it's time, when it's time to, to give that stuff's just going to flow out and you can't stop it. Mm -hmm. right? So for, for a few years, right. I, I was giving, 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 giving. And then I've been in this kind of moment of reception. I think, you know, I've, I've been uh, growing as a, you know, as a husband, as a, as a father now uh, in my, in my role, in my job. And, and there are times where, you know, finally it will kind of start seeping out again. And I'll start writing. Now, how, how do I relate that to school? Well, I, I think the thing that holds us most back in school and when, when we have this writer's block is, is either we feel like we don't have anything to say because we're not, uh, we're not like allowed to, we're, we're not, you know, experts, or we don't have anything to say because we're not confident in what we, in what we learned. You know, we, we need to do some more reading. We need to, uh, we need to learn more about that subject matter. Um, and then once we learn more about that subject matter, and then we can start looking at uh, what different people have said, and then and then kind of connect the two and say, okay, this is how I feel about it, then that's where that strength, that's where that confidence comes from, is being able to to speak to it. But, you know, most of, most of the papers that I read where you know, the grades aren't that good is either because, you know, we have some logic issues, we have some organizational issues, or, you know, frankly, they know that they, they didn't do the readings. Right. They, didn't, uh, do, they didn't do the things they needed to do to know what to talk about. Yeah. So when it comes to writer's blog, you know, 
read more. <laughs> I know it sounds kind of silly, but yeah, read more. Um, and have that more of that, that reception, that more of that intake. Yeah, oh, that's, a, that's great. That's great. Um, so this last question is actually slightly off from writing. Um, so earlier you mentioned that you served our country. Thank you so much for your service, um, by the Pleasure, way. Sir. Um, and so every, not everyone who is, who's listening to our podcast um, will go off to college. Some of them might want to go into the military. So do you have any advice to give to those students who want to serve as soon as they um, leave high school? They might be at JRTC right now. Um, yeah, can you give them any advice or any words to uh, think about? Well, well, first off, I'd like to say that uh, whatever you decide to do, uh, I think it's wonderful and I, think, and I respect it. Um, I, I had this uh, conversation with someone the other day and uh, my wife and I kind of believe in this, that, uh, you know, maybe we should, we should all, if, if, if it's financially uh, feasible, take a couple of years off and just, just learn more about the world and, you know, go servants in some capacity, whether it's military or, you know, AmeriCorps, you know, whatever. So first off that, I, I think that's, that's uh, fantastic, whatever you decide to do. Mm -hmm. Believe me, I, I'm a prime example of no matter uh, when you finish your education, you know, you, you'll be all, you'll still be on a, be able to get on whatever track you're supposed to be on. Um, I will say this, if you decide to go down the route of the military and you decide to serve, um, first off, remember that this isn't a job that you can quit. Okay, and I'm not saying that to scare anybody off. I'm saying that that this this is 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 a true act of service in which you are bound to something that few people are. You know, you're you're bound to your country in a way that few people will, will ever understand. That that if you try to you know if you try to quit or something like that, you go AWOL, you'll go you'll go to jail. You know, like most jobs don't, that's not the case, right? So I, I, I'm not trying, again, I'm not trying to scare anyone. I just want you, I want everyone to understand the importance of what that means. To sign a contract that, that says that you're willing to give your, your life, if that's what it takes, to your country. And, and for those that do sign that contract, that do sign that line, I think it's one of the most honorable things you can ever do with your life. It, it is, is, it is truly what we call a catalyst, right? A, a thing that, that separates. You know, it, I, I know myself before military and I know myself after military, after the military. And even to this day, even though I realize that it's been, God, how many, long, how many years? It's been 15 years since I signed that, signed that contract. I still know that that's part of me and it's a very large part of me. Is something that doesn't go away. You know, I, I don't. I don't reference myself as Joshua Fulmer, former, you know, high school basketball player or baseball or football and all those other sports. But I do reference myself as Joshua Fulmer veteran, and it's not because of any sort of uh, desire for glory or anything else. It's just, just simply because of how much went into that, you know, how much went into th to that act of service. So, the, so that's the biggest thing is to recognize kind of the importance of it and, and, how, and how big of a thing it is. 
The second thing is it opens up a lot of doors in a lot of ways. You know, if, is, if that's the path you want to take, uh, you know, there's, there's going enlisted, uh, there's uh, taking the officer route, uh, even going enlisted to officer route. Uh, and some people make careers out of it. They made wonderful careers. Uh, my best man is still in the military uh, as a naval officer. And, uh, and it's, and it, it, I, I, I see every day how much it's helped him out. And it's, it's helped me out in, in that, you know, I was kind of listless for a while. You know, I, I had had certain innate talents, um, but I got to college and I didn't really know what I was doing and what I want to do in my life. And I joined the military and it definitely clarified a lot in my life. And it, it uh, gave me a discipline I didn't have before. Too. Yeah, man, this was, this was so insightful. Um, I think the depth of what you were giving to not only the student athletes, but to myself was very great. And I'm so thankful for um, you joining us today. Um, I hope you ha I hope you have a great rest of your week. Um, have Thanks a sure. great holidays um, as your background. Um, and for everyone else listening, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I hope yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I hope everyone else has a great week as well. All right. Thanks, Jeremiah. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yes, sir.